This podcast is a reenactment of a real podcast with all participants played by actors who hate us. <laughs> we have to give it a rating from G to PG, PG-13 to NC-17. What do you think is the appropriate rating for this podcast? The live one? Yeah. NC-17. Definitely. NC-17 is like the dirty sex stuff. Like, that's like serious. What? Think so? NC-17. Here's what we'll do. We'll name various types of sex. Let me back up if I may. Just to be clear, Alex That's was asking to categorize the existing thing. He was not making proposals for what we should change the thing to. I just, well, I just thought we would calibrate. This is the Stack Exchange Podcast, episode 66, recorded Tuesday, July 7th, 2015, at Stack Exchange headquarters in New York City, New York where 8 million people enjoy the benefits of democracy and over a dozen locations of Shake Shack, all with two block long lines. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Association of Ex-Fog Creek Summer Interns, which reminds its members that if they are suffering from flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety, or uncontrollable thoughts about your Fog Creek internship, please seek professional therapy. On today's podcast, VP of Growthiness, Jay Hanlon. Hello. VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Hey. And ex-post facto producer, Alex. Hello. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back. Hey, I'm one of those ex-Fog Creek interns. I still have flashbacks sometimes. Do you have uncontrollable thoughts? Wait, I thought you were still an intern. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to talk about uncontrollable thoughts, but... Well, that's the list. Flashbacks, nightmares, severe anxiety, uncontrollable thoughts. Oh, Okay. Weren't you in an intern video at one point? Yeah, no, not an intern. (laughs) That was actually while I was a full-time employee. Okay, but there's a video that exists of you as an early full-time employee. For my internship, we can talk about that in a minute. For my internship... This was back before Fog Creek knew how to do internships. <laughs> I literally That's showed up. Just because you had to write Flash active <laughs> script or whatever doesn't mean that we didn't know how to do internships. I showed up and I'd been assigned a mentor who was a full-time developer, which was great, who was going to, you know, gently guide me through, you know, how to check in code to the code base and all that. But he was on vacation the whole first two weeks that I was there. Is that Brett Kiefer? Brett. So yeah. what I was actually left with was a box, <laughs> a box of Macromedia Flash which yeah. I could install, and right. a piece of paper that said, you're supposed to make this graph stuff. Good luck. Go ahead and make a graph yeah. with Macromedia. Well, that was the days on the internet when that was really the only way to make a graph. It was just barely on the edge of when yeah. people were making graphs in Flash. If we'd like, waited like a year, we would have done there it. There would in, have been high charts and you would have just used something that. Else, there would be Canvas. There, was ca- there would have been Canvas, yeah. Canvas Soon, was miles away. A little later. Yeah. Yeah, people would just <sighs> use different size fonts. <laughs> they would put a letter I in different heights. <laughs> yeah, divs. Stick H1, size two, size three, divs. That's right, yeah. Followed by the letter I. Yeah. <laughs> that was my internship project, making things graph things. I also remember the first week that I was there, the servers went down, and the servers were like, you really? know, there was like one little rack of servers. It was one of the oh, in in internal office. ones in the office, and Joel Spolsky was himself trying to debug the system for the entire week, and that's when you guys decided you needed that. to hire, Fog Creek needed to hire their first sysadmin. Yeah. Which ended up being uh, Michael Gorsuch. Right. And also, that's when they brought on the butler and first footman for Joel, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 That was back in the day. Joel Spolsky, contrary to many opinions, actually used to, like, you know, write code and debug things and fix servers and stuff. That's right. That's right. Crazy days back Fixed then. Fixed them all. And you know what? It didn't didn't really help. To be fair, he turned it off for 15 <laughs> seconds and turned it back on. But that's, it that's right. So I mean, it, you know. 
He spent the whole week frantically running back and forth between his office then. and the little server closet. So I'm not. It's not. We clear might have just moved into those offices, and that was a new server closet I was getting set up. I think it was the secret credit card processing. Oh, really? We already had the was, roach that was dying. It was called Roach Motel because yes. the credit card number. And nobody else in, knew how to. <laughs> yes, the Roach Motel. <laughs> <laughs> or the Hotel California worked too. Oh, it was like that too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do we have anything on today's podcast to talk about? We don't. We thought it'd be more exciting if we just saw what okay. the hell happened with almost no agenda. But a lot's happened. So we have, oh, yeah. we have lots of things we could talk about. Let's talk about Reddit. You want to start with features? We just start with features. We got no. a couple. Yeah, just a few. Did we got new features. So the big one we just announced on Meta, and this will probably be rolling out. We have a new blog. Oh, sure. We can talk about the blog, too. I was going to talk about login. So there's login changes that are finally coming. This turned out to be one of the more annoyingly difficult projects we've ever done. But the big thing we announced on, it's on Meta. This was even estimated six to eight months and then took 14 years. Actually took like nine months or something. It was a long project. And what does it do? It it allows you to log in now without... But what it'll do is you log in on one site and you're logged in everywhere, which is the thing that everyone is like, what, you didn't, why didn't you have that from the beginning? But it turns out it was very difficult to, it's because, you know, the way we built the sites was we said, hey, we built Stack Overflow. You know what we should do to stand up the next site is just copy paste the the code for Stack Overflow Overflow. and the database and make another one. So all the user databases were separate and all the authentication stuff was separate. So it ended up being a big project to get that to all, to pull the cookie up to the global sites. Is the feature out? Almost. It, uh, it, it was. It, it rolled was out, out briefly last night, but a oh, few people really? uh, were getting logged out, so they had to roll it back, and they're debugging today. But almost certainly by the time the podcast goes out, it'll be out, and you should be able to go log in and be logged in across the network, at least on all the Stack Exchange sites. It's not going to support some of the other one-off domains. Like stackoverflow.com? Like the first step is to do all the stackexchange.com sites, and then we'll add Stack Overflow, and then we'll add some of the other ones like SuperUser and ServerFault and oh. Ask Ubuntu. But so V1, if you log into one SE site, you're logged into all of them, right? Yes. That's what's supposed to happen. Yep. And then because of the sharing cookies issues, where then it's tricky to do that across the second level domains. We have to actually set a cookie on every one of those domains. But the second version is actually going to log you into Stack Overflow if you log into any Stack Exchange site, right? It'll, it'll, it'll log into all of them that you have an account on. And if you go to those sites and you don't have an account, it'll recognize you and say you have like a join the community one click thing instead of having to auth again. And we may be able to make like the inbox follow you around so you'll still get inbox messages on other sites that you're not logged into or not a member of. That one's still a feature request that's sort of Wait, up, get for, inbox up for debate. from sites that you're not even a member of? So the idea is that the black bar kind of follows you around, even if you're just right. visiting a site because you followed an interesting link in the sidebar and you go over there and all oh, the inbox oh. still works. Instead you of you clicking the inbox the and it's like, oh, I don't know who you well, are. Well, this is a new state that you're logged on to Stack Exchange, but you don't even have an account on the site. That yeah, you're, you're not a member at. of the community. Yeah, because what's the user's expectation, right? So yeah. like, think about like... Oh, the user's expectation is that they're just logged on. Right. This has been broken since the beginning. Do you right. remember for the first seven years of Twitter, you would go to Twitter and it would ask you to log on and there would be a checkbox that says, keep me logged on that did nothing. Well, for the first seven and, years of Twitter, I was going, what are those kids Twittering about? I don't yeah. really understand it. <laughs> now I'm there. Now Twitter is it's all baby boomers and sports celebrities. Oldsters. Oldsters. The kids are all on Insta. But it seems like people don't expect when they navigate across your website, the various areas of your website to be logged out. And so this will help unbroke that but it's been a lot of work yeah uh, everyone working hard for a long time everyone has known that this is how it should work it was just a question of making it actually work yeah. but yeah so uh, our developers anna lear and towards the end of the project jeff dalgas have been working really hard on this but mostly anna lear has been killing herself trying to get this thing done and out so i hope not so that's coming because she's not entitled to the special care for fog creek summer 
Quasi exempt interns because she was not one. We have a national That's... health registry. Like uh... <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's interesting. If you were ever a Fogrig intern, there's a special health program you're opted into. Right. Um, Other news: we updated the blog, which the entire no, hacker no. news. We crowd... didn't just update the blog. That's like, oh, I updated my blog today. You're right. We didn't just update the blog. Yeah. We redid the whole thing. We're off. It's like a teenager press. went on Twitter and we blogged. Off some WordPress of cappuccino on Jekyll. Off WordPress onto what are we on Jekyll? Jekyll. Jekyll, which is basically. Do we have Jekyll.stackexchange.com? No. So we used the one CMS. We got 14 (laughs) CMSs that each have their own individual stack exchange sites. It's only sort of a CMS. It really. It's a Python thing. It's really, as far as I understand, it's a system for generating static websites. So it's big. Oh, it's CityDesk. It's CityDesk, kind of. Yeah, but all. Right, so Microsoft Access Database. (laughs) Not not quite. (laughs) On your hard disk and generates a bunch of HTML pages, which it then uses the Windows FTP client. I'm sorry, what did it sound like when it's generating those again? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how it works. Yep. Sorry, correction from the peanut gallery. Cosmo Rogerty clarifies it does not require you to connect to a Windows XP computer to run. (laughs) (laughs) You're joking, but I have a Hyper-V VM that's still running Windows 7, actually, not Windows XP, because that's the only way I can get CityDesk to run anymore. Yeah. No, that's my favorite story is that you guys started working on what was CityDesk 2.0 or the next version of CityDesk, where you completely changed the file format. Yeah, massively. So it's not the shipping version And then promptly abandoned the project. So now... Joel on software is still on this, right? Joel on yes. software can only be updated by right. running this one binary that yes. you have that's this unreleased version I don't, I don't of CityDesk. I got the source. I got to run it inside VB6. <laughs> <laughs> no, I might have made, I might have done like save as XE. But you have to have VB6 installed because it uses all kinds of weird DLLs that you don't get without VB6. Oh, and go try and install VB6 right now. VB6, last version of VB, shipped with, I think, I'd be confused, shipped with Java. And since then, Microsoft got sued by Sun which doesn't even exist anymore. And as a part of the settlement, agreed never to ship Java again. So you actually can't get VB bits anymore <laughs> because Wait, it's Microsoft's consent with whatever. So yeah, that's <sighs> not how the new blog works. Sorry. But it is open source. You can view the new blog open source at- Did we talk about Wasabi? Did you know that Jacob finally ripped out Wasabi? <laughs> Let's He's another not talk Xbox about Wasabi, please. Somebody give me the URL it's gone. to it's the gone. There's no more source. Wasabi. We'll put it in the, the show blogs. notes. VB6 was oh, retired in 1998. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah it unsupported was end of life as of April eighth, two thousand. Totally unsupported as of no, two thousand and eight. Final release in nineteen ninety eight. GitHub.com so slash stackchange slash blog is the URL. Yeah, Jacob, who was a Fog Creek intern, finally got rid of Wasabi. He was one of the original by authors of Wasabi. Wasabi by running Wasabi one last time, taking the output, stuffing it into Roslyn. I don't know what that means. Generating <laughs> a bunch of C sharp. It is approximately the same as the Wasabi code. Checking that into the source control system, and then just saying, "All right, that's Fogbugs now." That that thing. So now it's C sharp. Cool. Is Jeff going to blog about it? He's going to actually retract the blog post. Public <laughs> finally public retraction. <laughs> I will have you know more that like he a victory did that lap several actually. times on this podcast. Retracted his prior blog post. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he never really believed it. I mean, he did it because you forced him to. I did not. He was like, truth is, I don't really care what stupid language you write your damn thing in. It doesn't matter. I just wanted more eyeballs on my blog. (laughs) Those are the two major new feature changes. Did we talk about the changes to the graduation policy? No. And actually, someone brought that up in the chat room. I think that's probably worth touching on quickly. So I guess the shortest version of this is we made a bunch of tweaks to sort of how we think about uh, sites transitioning. 
And the kind of quick background is there are big milestones that are sort of crucial in site transitions that we were focused on were sort of graduation. So when do we decide a site has achieved enough sort of critical mass, is generating good content, is really safe, stable, and is sort of doing an internet good that we think it can do for a long time. It's not going to kind of fall apart if a few people leave, et cetera. We consider it graduated. It's like a totally full site. We take off the beta label. It gets a full site design, which is one of the more labor-intensive things that happens around these sites from a design perspective. And we have a backlog of that, which is frustrating to some of our sites because our designers now like work around the clock in cages and we can't hire them yeah. fast enough. No. Yeah, we're not hiring any more designers. Tired no, no, that's that. not true. That is not true. Did you ever see that video, the Banksy video, that's an opening video for The Simpsons? Where they have a bunch of unicorns that are being used to poke holes. So, like, I'm just watching one of your dreams right now. I I don't know what you're talking about, but it seems no, I don't. No. But Banksy, actually. I've heard of Banksy, yes. Did a dystopian opening scene for The Simpsons. Okay. Which actually ran on The Actual Simpsons. And it shows a bunch of children in a North Korean factory, like sitting there sweating over the cartoons individually oh like they're the ones producing they're the like simpsons. the slave labor actually creating the simpsons uh, it's very meta yeah and there's like an old sick unicorn in the corner that they're using to poke holes in the dvds that they're producing <laughs> for the, for the game Abu- using, using the unicorn slave the unicorn. Labor. yeah he's like about to die of starvation we should go watch that. Maybe we could get that episode to play. Yeah. We could probably link to it in the show notes. I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Sites, sites, sites. So anyway, there's a big moment we try to this, Jay, determine. I take us on such a default left turn. If a site is ready to graduate was one of the big things. And then the other, obviously the other outcome that is sort of less pleasant was when a site has to get shut down. And so when we kind of take a site and say, you know what, the site is actually not functioning really well. And in both those cases, there was an enormous amount of sort of work and analysis done by the community managers, looking at the communities, working with the communities. But there wasn't great standardization, which is to say everyone had sort of different approaches. There's a lot of collaboration. We actually don't shut a lot of sites down. A bunch of things happen, I think. So the summary of what's changed is graduation, there used to be an awful lot of different types of interpretation and analysis done by CMs on what's happening, are there problems, sort of what's the quality look like, how does it compare to other sources? And they were all good. I think we've really got a good sense of which sites were really on the right path, were generating useful content. But one of the things we realized over time was everyone had a slightly different approach. There wasn't a lot of consensus about how to measure what we were looking for. And what we did is we had a couple of people work on sort of what can we learn about what these sites have in common? And uh, Pops did a bunch of work sort of analyzing site graduations. And the big startling takeaway was that a single, I think it's thinking fast and slow thing, that like one heuristic, a single number test is often more accurate than very, very complex systems you will devise if you can find the right one. And what he sort of honed in on, essentially, is that the questions per day, that basically a site that is generating approaching 10 questions per day, almost always, it can't hit that point unless it is also of sufficient quality. It has enough people. It is basically working. Joe, I don't know what, I, 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 am, sorry, I am boggled but, by what's happening but, in the chat room, but that's okay. It's not important right now. No, the chat room is like the side conversations, the, the, the conversation. The sideshow, the sideshow. Sideshow Joel, we're going to call you from here on. Joel is tweeting about bears and rocks I just I saw a little news item that said that a bear shattered a glass barrier at the Minnesota Zoo with a rock the size of a basketball. Now we need a link to that tweet in the show notes. <laughs> this is why we need a site about... No, we don't need a site yeah. about that. So there's some follow-up questions. So sure. that's a good summary of what the change was. They're asking for some more clarification around, does this mean SE will be more selective in the private beta? And are the ideas to add more milestones independent of graduation, like elections, privilege levels, currently considered? 
Let me start with Kazra's question. Does it mean we'll be more selective in private beta? It was actually mad scientist's question. The standards are not changing in any way that will make how does Kazra find more friends more effective on topic? We just can't have that site. We don't think there'll be enough participation. We don't think there's an answer in many ways. So I think the short version to that is not really. I think it does highlight that the review of private beta is one of the most important moments to decide if a site really has enough traction to be successful or not. Because the reality is that we don't really tend to shut sites down after that. And that was the other big change we made that I alluded to but didn't really explain, which was historically there was this sense that these sites that are out of private beta and public beta, they have a big beta label, they're not designed yet. And the notion was that they will either be shut down because they will not get enough traction, they will fail, or they will eventually graduate. And that's kind of what beta implies. A fork in the path. Right? That it is either going to be upgraded to succeed, real thing, yeah. or downgraded to, we tried, we're giving up. Yeah. Screw it, we're going to shut down. And I think one of the things we realized was there was, I think, an incorrect premise that we all started with. When I say we, I was on the sites, but I didn't work here then. Back in the day, which was sites that were small, we thought would turn into shitty ghost towns. Can I say shitty on the podcast, Alex? No. Did, what rating yeah, did we go with? Who knows? Did we go with the dirty talk rating? I think we went with PG-13. We'd always assumed that a small site was equivalent to a bad site, a site that couldn't produce good content. And yet. But we were wrong. It turns out there are very high quality sites that get one or two questions yes. a day. And get one well, or two great answers. We said that from the very beginning. We just didn't quite know what to do about it. I remember well, us very early on on Stack no, Shane's we talking about. Them. Yeah, we talked about like what percentage of questions get a good answer. When they do get an answer, is it like the best thing on the internet? Right. But it could be a pretty narrow subject. But right. I think we'd almost always assumed that a site that never really grew yeah. would necessarily fall into like disrepair. No one would be taking care of it. And that kind of wound up being not, not consistently true. true. If I, if Some of these things true. last forever. I look at like a linguistic site and compare it to the right. only other thing that's out there, the linguist list. And they're both, you know, traffic of like five new things a day or three, four new things a day. But it's still high quality and people still participate actively in both of those. And we have a ton of them. Like poker is a great uh, example. You know, like years and years later. Right. The thing that I think, at least my understanding, that was off was a site can be small and a small group of people really take care of it and it generates great content. And it doesn't appear to be getting more traction or growing, but it's good. And I think the thing we realized was we needed a better policy that addressed that. And the truth of the matter is the incremental number of sites we have come at some cost, not huge cost to us. Yeah. But each site takes some amount of additional maintenance, and we have to try to work with the mods and other things. And so there, there is some incremental cost of having a site. And so there's a part of us that wants to try to focus as much as we can on the largest sites that can help the most people where it makes sense. But I think something that's really important is once we together with some community agree to try something and that community succeeds in making something good, if that thing turns out to be smaller than what we were necessarily optimizing for, like these small sites, mm -hmm. we've all gone too far together to say, sorry, our kind of best ROI is on bigger sites, so we're not going to have this site around anymore. There's not that much incremental cost. And so even if at the outset we're hoping for sites that will grow big and help the largest number of people... If a community demonstrates they can produce a good quality site that is just a little bit smaller and slower, yeah. we should stick with them at that point yeah. and support them. And so we've kind of switched but to- we not necessarily made... give them their own graphic design. Right, because we can't. We're backlogged on the ones that are big, then graphic designs, we're working on it. The designers are actually clearing the backlog. We're rolling out sites much faster, but we got to get them out there. And so what we basically switched to is we're going to shut sites down when they actually turn bad. And what that Have essentially- we shut down a site that had its own graphic design? No. On startups? No. Uh, on Startups had a slightly custom logo. It just had a logo. Oh. Yeah, that's right. On Startups was in kind of permabeta. It had its own URL. Okay. I was going to say we could reuse designs. Like, for example, if, yeah, I don't know, Islam goes out of business or something, we could reuse <laughs> that for home repair. 
You don't mean the Islam site. You mean if the religion Islam goes out of business, right? No, no. Of course I mean the Stack Exchange site. You know what would make this podcast really exciting? <laughs> if we just randomly killed a site every podcast. Woo! Just look through the list and picked one. Do we do it, it randomly or should yeah. we let the community vote on it survivor style? No, no. We're survivor just going to decide. No, no, no. You can't say it's random. What like you big do, brother. How does Big Brother work? What you do is you execute one randomly, but you yeah. say there's a reason mm. you won't disclose. So everyone tries to figure out the reason, turn on each oh, other, and good. change behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. So anyway, long story short, be people writing like 300 page essays on their blogs with their hypothesis. As it wouldn't even be a hypothesis. They'd have like a whole, they'd write yeah, a script. Like, and this is obviously absolutely true. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, we're not doing that anymore. We yeah. basically said that we're only going to shut sites down when you're all gone. So essentially, if the sites can't take care of themselves, if there aren't enough caretakers, we'll shut them down because the flags aren't getting handled. They're getting spammy. They're getting gross. But if a small site is doing great, we've kind of committed to say, we love you. We should all be proud of them. And I think the sites deserve it. And we're happy to have them in the network, and we should be more explicit and upfront about that. Again, on the graduation side, there's still a fair amount of qualitative checks. The CMs still do go through and make sure the site's not in civil war or fighting over scope or stuff. But we mostly go based on the questions per day, because sites that are approaching 10 questions per day very, very consistently are healthy in almost all the other ways. And we're going to graduate them. And one of the most important messages, I think, is that those sites in the middle, those smaller sites, are beloved. We're proud of them. That was presented to the community, except for two of you, and I think you know who you are. Yeah, let's just close one of them down right now. The last thing I'll throw out, though, is we got great feedback. I think overall people like that. Um, One of the things they- The workplace. The feedback we got that we expected- Don't you start on that. I will I will, I will cut you, Joel. That site is so, so good. I'm going to go there right period. now, and I'm going to pick a question. And in to, particular, to bring relative to other sites like it. Am I obligated to tell my boss why I am taking a day off? Yes. No. You have to notify the board of directors every time you take a day off, Joel. It's no, not, why? Why? It's why. The why is the question. So we have and an alternate proposal. I'm doing job interviews during this time, and I don't want my boss to know. Listener Jason Punyon suggests that instead of killing a random <laughs> killing a random site each podcast, we could instead fire an employee. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's oh, start. the trouble is that we can only fire Punyon once. Yeah, that is. And we can hire. Well, him back no, we could just hire him back between podcasts. I, one of my tweets that got the most responses was we had an outage once, and I said Stack Overflow is temporarily down. Don't worry. We fired someone at random to encourage everyone to work harder to prevent this from happening again. Got a really lot, a lot of feedback That's on good. management. That's techniques. good. Yeah, tell us about some of your other popular tweets. <laughs> Let me read previous tweets. <laughs> tweets about how people hate me. So anyway, I think the reception was really good. People liked it. One great piece of feedback we got from the community was we sort of explained that when we're talking about the graduation transitions, people pointed out that we often delay graduation because we have this design backlog and I'm working closely with the designers. We're trying to clear it. They've been doing some great new designs. The biology site's beautiful. We're making great progress, but too slow. Yeah. And what they suggested was, well, why do we have to wait on everything else? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Macintoshes don't come with paint, so I can't do this. MS Paint? I used to be able to do this when I had a Windows. Just use a... No, you know you can use a <laughs> Macintosh instead? Say, when I had a Windows? You, just need, you need RegEdit. I would run you need, Remember, Red, Was it RegEdit? Yeah, RegEdit would edit icons. Because you could go and you could make a little icon with blocks. Red, it's really it's, one dot at a time. It was really, really fun. It was Because you, you, you were amazed how good it looked when it got small again. Ah. Okay. We digress. Emoji. We could use emoji <laughs> as a site design. I could do the entire site design with emoji. Digressing implies, in order to digress, you have to have a topic. Me, we did. Jay, yes. Jay, give me a site that needs a design. I'm going to do it in emoji right now. Oh, no. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Let's see. Jay. What's in the queue? Sorry, my keyboard's in Hebrew mode. Don't read the actual queue here. What's the first one in questions per day that doesn't have ah. a design? Let's do one that already has a design. Oh, no, we funny. don't need Joel to redesign. We'll do it to my concept for how the American's Airlines site could be beautiful if it didn't do have to work. Blender Stack Exchange. Oh, that's easy. Come on. I'm sure there's a Blender icon. Well, let's start with a little bird popping out of a uh, shell. Software recommendations. 
Okay, software aviation. Well, that's your site. Right, well, I'm going to start with poop. emoji. <laughs> I'm, I'm working on this. That's the soft. Now, where? I gotta find that. There's got to be a high heel or something. In this podcast, <laughs> we will wear. describe what Joel is drawing live as he draws An it. Emoji. Um, There's a line. You guys carry on. I think I'm the still line is curving. This. I don't know how to describe it. It's sort of away from his arm. He's a lefty. This, this is getting creepy. Okay. Okay. I got a tank top. That's where. What? Software. <laughs> like a tank top. I'm sorry. So you have smiling you have... poop and a tank top. Yeah, that's right. And then for recommendations, I'm going to use. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that one that's like okay exclamation point. I feel Isn't like when I said like design, you might have heard Rebus or Emoji Story, neither of which is technically. Okay. Here we go. So there's software recommendations. Boop. I just delivered it to you via text. Now, how do I paste it into. Uh, do we even have emoji in the chat room? That's good. We'll just upload it to the site and tell them that's their you design. You need to take a screenshot. Designed by Joel Spolsky. Jin, I don't think that design candidate we were talking to is going to work out. <laughs> anyway, the last bit we got back from the community that we are working on now is the question of once a site is ready for graduation, if design is essentially the logjam, why don't we try and afford them the other privileges that come with graduation then? which makes a ton of sense. Right. Unlog the jam. And so by the time this airs, there should be a meta post up kind of talking about our proposal for how to basically say, if design is holding us back, we're going to try to not let that hold back having elections and all kinds of other things, because it was really good, smart right. feedback. And that probably includes things like removing the beta label, which I was a crazy lone objector to for a bunch of dumb reasons that someone smarter than I on the team talked me off of. And so I think we're going to take that off too. We did think take it was the sending the wrong off. message, but yeah. We could just make it white text on a white background, and we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. Boop. Okay. Sponsor messages? I have no idea what's happening right now. We're, we just went to ads. All right. Back from the ads. Oh. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> and we're back. So, uh, next topic. Reddit. Yeah, let's talk about Reddit. I, I think, think we should talk about Reddit. I People think we should talk about Reddit. People live in glass houses, etc. Oh, I don't think we quite live in a glass house, but I think there's important lessons for us. Jay, and... what the heck happened with... First of all, tell us the story, because I the whole thing happened while I was on my July 4th vacation, and therefore I did not even see it. So you love America more than you hate Reddit, I, I guess. was busy working on... That can't possibly be true. Who didn't check Reddit over the... How could you go on a vacation and not check Reddit? Michael got one of those things, like a parrot drone or something. It's like a drone oh, that's right. that flies You tried around. to kill somebody. Michael had the bebop. Bebop, you, yeah. One of you thought it was like a submarine of some sort and wackiness no, it, ensued. First, it like ran into people. Then it refused to obey instructions. Like we were trying to guide it and it was sort of going in other places other than where we were trying to guide we it. We use these to drop bombs on foreigners, don't we? I mean, this is a very frightening and story. And finally, it killed itself by just falling into the pool. <laughs> It was like, you know oh. what? I'm not going to fly anymore. I'm oh. going in the pool. It's like in one of those iRobot books where if <laughs> yes. it has to follow the prime directives and cause harm, it would rather just throw itself in the no, pool and commit suicide. No, this Quite is from... Opposite. Was that iRobot? No, this, this is... Uh, it's iRobot. AI. AI. It's the end of... Oh, sorry. If you're going to watch AI, you should no, stop this it is with me. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, the first artificial intelligence ever invented, immediately commit suicide. Wait, I thought we were talking about Wally. Okay. So all robots, according to iRobot, Isaac Asimov, were given yeah, yeah, a positronic yeah, 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 brain. Yeah. They had to obey three laws. Yes. Law number one, that they should not cause harm or through inaction allow harm to be caused to any human. Number two, they should not disobey any orders unless it would violate law one. And number three, I would be back. They should not cause harm to themselves or allow harm to come to themselves unless it would violate rule number two or <laughs> rule number one. And this drone parrot violated all three rules in about five minutes and was then dead. So its entire lifespan, $899 or whatever those things friggin' cost. It managed to hurt people, disobey rules, 
disobey humans and then kill itself. I'd like to point out that like in the two decades we've had of like developing yeah. from remote control helicopters that used to be all Radio Shack sold until yeah. like yesterday when they went bankrupt, yeah. Yeah, not surprising, no to like now we have these like a consumer can buy like a drone killing machine that you could use to like fight terrorists or uh, other people somewhere. Yeah, the battery lasts far enough to get to a terrorist. But the story is precisely the same when you get one. Yeah. Oh my God, that's awesome. And then it crashes and breaks within 12 minutes. Yes. Every toy helicopter-based device of all time has correct. had that story. I've never seen the second right. day someone played with a toy Helicopter slash there drone. Is no Does our office AR drone still work? I oh know it's God, sitting no. in your office. No, I need to completely change topic for a second. User Harry Seaburn has successfully won the design contest for Aviation.se. Oh, he drew a little airplane. We with will a link star to his David design. Actually, we shouldn't even link to it. We should just put it on the Aviation site. Yeah. Brett signs off, I think, and can convince Jen. We'll just put it up. Got Jen. something very strange going on with one of its wings. Oh, I see. That's supposed to be a jet engine. It's only got oh, a jet engine, one on, engine one on the right hand on side. One side. I thought that was the Star of David, but okay. No, I think that's just perspective. You can't see it on the other side because it's oh. blocked by, I believe the term is fuselage. Maybe, maybe. Fuselage, yeah. What is it saying? Can, You're like one of those medieval, you're like one of these medieval people oh, looking at Renaissance it's a sound effect. and being like, that what's with sense. that angle? Like, okay. what's that about? Brett looks meow. doubtful. Brett is in the chat room and looks doubtful. Would it fly? That's the question. Would it see, obey Asimov's See, the laws? problem, this is what happens when you ask a pilot and a developer what the site should look like. Brett doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the vision. This is the best conversation about Reddit Her ever. Okay, so... <laughs> So the story of Reddit was Joel back on track. made Michael's drone fall in a pool. But in the meantime, while that was happening, the people of Reddit were like rioting or yeah. rebelling or something like that. So let me give the short summary for our users. <laughs> Founder like, of Reddit, Alexis Ohanian, had actually- He's been on our podcast. He yes. has been on our yes. podcast and- Friend of the show. I believe he tried to eat a spoonful of cinnamon on the he podcast. He did, he did. Oh, I remember wow. that. He was actually really- I really forgot. I really forgot that. They have him on the um, show again. Nice guy. So anyway- and, and he even further incensed the Reddit crowds by saying, getting popcorn, that was his one comment on this thing. On well, Let's start with the story. Start top level. Top level is- The very short version of what happened over the weekend- I'll we go think. back to the context before yeah. that if we want to. I believe there but was over the weekend, essentially what happened was Victoria, works she's known Reddit. as Victoria by her first name generally, I forget her last name, Worked but at Victoria Reddit. at Reddit, yeah. as she's often called, was the primary liaison for the IMA whatever. No, ask me anything, AMA. Well, technically it's the IMA. They overlap a lot. But the kind of ask me anything things that like, you know, both like, I am a prison guard who was later sent to prison. You can have those. Yeah. And then you also have like President Obama. Yeah. Anyway, she was the liaison. So she worked with the moderators to coordinate those to prove who they were. There's a lot of logistics in those relative yeah. to other things. Sometimes you have to actually type because it's like Michael Jackson or something. And you have to type for them. You have to first ensure that it's the actual person. Yeah. So she did a lot of that. And in that role, because it required a lot of logistics, my sense is she was really one of the few people who worked for Reddit proper who was very visible and interactive with the moderators in particular in the community. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of other people like that. Yeah. And so what happened over the weekend, essentially, is she was let go. Yeah. Seemingly by, well, Ellen Powell is the focus of a lot of this, and we'll come back to that. She's the CEO, Current but Current interim we don't really CEO, Ellen Powell. Alexis Ohanian, co-founder, chairman of the board, and kind of currently very back involved in Reddit, more so than he had been for a while recently. Yeah. Alexis was the one who actually let her go. Oh, the press really? releases. Yep. Founder, the press release? I don't, not the press release, but her being fired. I mean, like, sorry, the press. Alexis, we don't actually know why she was like, oh, we don't know. I think that's an important fact here. Nobody knows. So this is a typical situation where someone was let go and we can presume she got some sort of severance and signed a severance agreement. There's no even reason. I don't to even know. What I know is neither of them have said anything to anybody. Like most separations, nobody wants to say. Correct. And it's very likely that 
Yeah, you're right. When you said severance agreement, where you're going to go with that was that she should probably signed an agreement that said they would both oh, not yeah. say Right. The that. most logical explanation for why neither of them is comfortable saying anything, including yeah. her. Like, there's a million people being like, I'm going to burn this company to the ground because you were let go. Yeah. It would be a moment. It would make sense for her to come and if she could easily. likely that she said right. something. They both have reasons Signed they something. can't talk about it, it would seem. Or maybe yeah. she still loves Reddit. Maybe. And doesn't want to. But she could say that. So there's, we don't know. The truth is we don't know. Right. However, if she was a robot, she would have a lot of trouble figuring out what to do. No, according she to the three laws of she robotics. She just no, but I mean, pool. she'd be like, I don't know which one do I. <laughs> she would just jump in a pool. Through, That's not right. allow Reddit to come to harm, or do I disobey the contract? If we contract? were to represent this graphically, yeah. first of all, we'd hire user Harry Seaburn, obviously. Yeah. But the image would just be Victoria from Reddit jumping into a pool, maybe in like a robot costume, perhaps. By the way, there is an article. We'll link to it from the show notes on community building, which is one of our Stack Exchange sites, which I have not yet. By article, Even I think Joel means question and answer. And it asks the question, what should we do to reduce the yeah. risk of a red light crisis? So, this isn't a meta. Okay, but okay. So, because it's a community. So anyway, the, um, oh, I see what you're saying. It was talking generally, what can a community what do? What could a community so do? So she was like, oh, she represented, I think, a very publicly facing, helpful face that the moderators and the site in general appreciate. And nobody had bothered to communicate with them. Right. In the middle of trying to organize something with Stephen Hawking, she just went. Correct. Radio so. silence, and nobody bothered to tell him. And then it turned out that apparently the people that read it were not quite clear on what she was actually doing and had not actually made any plans to replace her functionality with a different one. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I think yeah. it's better to just not... We can only see this from the outside. We don't know what actually happened. So let's just assume they had some good reason why they had to do this suddenly. Or a bad reason. Well, we don't know. There was some reason they felt they needed to. The key point is nobody knows, including the community and us. They might have just eaten a bunch of mushrooms and been like, fire everybody from well, N through V. What? No, just V. Just fire all the Vs. <laughs> Bring me a peasant to write that order down on. The point of the conversation here is not to try to figure out what happened at Reddit. It's trying to figure out how we can not do something like this. Well, wait. The important thing is that then the community was very angry. Very angry. And a lot of the other moderators remembered all the other things that they were angry about. Yes. Like that they don't have good moderation tools. And nobody has ever written a good moderation tool for them to use. So they're using all these hacky kind of things that they're not even supported properly. Right. We should be careful. I wouldn't consider our moderation tools fully world-class yet. Oh, no. You can click on something and find out their IP address. It's awesome. So, Dave, what you were touching on, I think, is really important. What started to happen, uh, some people after this happened said, well, wait a second. We don't really know why she was let go. Like, sure. Oh, uh, we're all freaking out. We're shutting down. Oh, uh, I didn't see anybody say that. Oh, uh, people did say it. So what happened was a bunch, <laughs> of, said it. a bunch of moderators took the subreddits dark, yeah. expressed great outrage. And what started to happen as this conversation evolved, I think, is people sort of said, well, hang on a second. Let's be reasonable. We don't really know what the situation is here. Victoria's... I don't remember that. What I remember is all the people that had any gripe against Reddit for anything. That's where I'm going. Like their picking on fat people website was shut down, just piled on. And they're like, obviously, this is all the CEO of Reddit's fault. And there was just a lot of piling on. I'd separate two things, though, in my opinion. There's two different groups reacting. Oh, three. Well, there's infinite groups. And any group you say, well, this is our... <laughs> uh, I see what infinite. You're, I no, see. but there are three. There were the people that were piling on because they were mad at Reddit. There were the moderators. And there were people that were just grumbly at the beginning because they didn't know what the heck was going on with their AMA. Yeah, but... Agree, rabble, but rabble, rabble. When you so talk there about was a the subreddit getting shut down, yes, there's a group of snowball. resentment that is targeted toward CEO Ellen Powell, right. or interim CEO Ellen Powell, yeah. which started, in my opinion, with... Yeah. Some people are really mad that she has enforced their new anti-harassment policy, which, while I happen to think it is probably generally important and a good idea, is a restriction on Reddit's traditional sort of sunlight is the best disinfectant, anything goes, freedom approach. Yeah, we could talk about that for a long but time. But separate her up for a second, because I think what's more interesting to me is the moderators, like a bunch of very, very generous, hardworking people running these non-growth subreddits. Forget those subreddits. Yeah, like, like science. Down. Yeah, forget all that. 
these people reacted really negatively to this firing, many of whom had no interaction with her personally. Sure. And I think what's important there is it wasn't so much that thing. Like the truth is, it doesn't matter if her firing was reasonable or not. It was this catalyst and this symbol of a sense from the moderators at Reddit that nobody answers us. No one cares about our problems. You're ignoring us. Sure. Nobody tells us what's going answer on. answer us when we tell you what we need. They don't. That's just true. They have been remarkably. Although, um, to be fair, whenever Ellen Powell tries to post anything on Reddit, it gets downvoted and disappears immediately. <laughs> and, well, but it, in fairness to them, well, I do so think- they really should just go fix that. Remember what that used to happen to Jeff their own code. Remember? He would write those answers and they'd get yeah. like minus 200 downloads. Yeah, but they, then he would change the code so it still showed up. Can yeah. I ask the really important question? <laughs> sure. What did Alexis's response of popcorn tastes good even yeah. mean in the context? So, because the previous thing he had said was, I'm going to go get some popcorn and watch this whole thing because he was enjoying there we go. the people fighting so much. Uh, to be, so I think which his, was a very... His response was terrible. Right. Yes. And it's a very Reddity response. Yeah, and true. to be fair, the thing he was answering, I'm not defending that statement. I think he did a decent job acknowledging his mistake afterwards. But to be fair, to put it in context of why he might have not had good sense there, I'm not justifying it is the question was basically, hey, Alexis, you've like single-handedly destroyed Reddit and basically one day, how do you feel about that? Or something like that is what he was, yeah. and he said popcorn tastes good, which was a bad thing to say yeah. because even if the person was screwing with him, is his job not to be dismissive of the concerns of his community, even if they're being Probably. a little bit aggressive? There are some extreme trolls on Reddit. Yeah, it's a tough crowd. Yeah. And they're all doing the standard internet troll thing of let me be as abusive as possible and then whine about free speech well, and sunlight and disinfectant and free speech. I hear and, you. I have little patience or interest in the quote unquote rights to freedom on a private website of like the upskirt enthusiasts. Yeah. F them. Yeah. But I do think the moderator reaction here is a different kind of problem. And I think that one's important to pay attention to is a bunch of people who are hardworking volunteers. Sure. Felt unappreciated and unlistened to for a very, very, very long time. Right. And the truth is anything could have set them off. Because yeah. their anger and frustration weren't about this event or any one event. Interestingly right. and ironically, I'm not suggesting we're so perfect, we have it under control. We have a very different setup. One of the big problems was there was literally basically one person at Reddit who ever faced off with any mods regularly. And that's it's a big point of failure. Is that the is that person? True? Is that the Victoria? She, yeah, they or just they, was their else? whole mod they, contact. They team? didn't really. I, I maybe I should let me back off that. Jason. I mean, we she have did like all the AMAs. We have employees here. Yeah. There was no system that generally responded, in my sense, or not consistently. Yeah. And well, we've got a whole team of people. We do have a whole team of people. What's interesting is, and I don't pretend because we're so perfect, we're not. And I would argue our mod tools need a lot of improvement. They're one of the weaker aspects of the site right Get now. Get on that right now. They're it, getting so it, as it happens. Mod tools are very specific. I'm not sure it's like it's mod support. And I also right. think our mod story is more complicated than just like moderator tools, right? Because that's right. our moderation, there's a lot that falls in the elected moderators. Don't want to discount that. But there's also like I would include in mod tools like the review queues and stuff like that. I agree. So let me give a shout out, though, because I think this is interesting. So as it happens, this all happened on Friday, this Reddit meltdown. Friday was the holiday yeah. or the observed holiday, which means you're not really observing the holiday. You're just not at work. But anyway, we digress. Yeah. On Thursday, we had our community team call and we spent literally about, I'd say, 80 percent of the call. Mo almost the entire call was spent on a topic. I won't take any credit. J-Mac, Josh Masayel, who's the CM who runs our Japanese Stack Overflow site, who previously was a moderator on the workplace. He had basically talked a little bit about sort of us thinking about where we can do a better job for our moderators. And we actually spent Thursday's call literally entirely talking about how to better prioritize. I think yes. one of the big... Let the record show that we did this before. No, we really did. A full day before. And let's be clear, we're just talking about it. But one of the things we talked about was, I think we do a very good job in most cases responding to mods. I think there's two places we have gaps that are important yeah. that we talked a bunch about. So one is a lot of the ways mods communicate with us 
are too loosey-goosey. I don't mean for them. They can do whatever they want. I mean, like, we should have a process that basically says, in this kind of scenario, you should know how to get a hold of us, and you should know how long it'll always take you to get an answer. Yeah. And I think, for the most part, I do think the CMs are very supportive of our mods, but I do think there's places where they'll reach out, and, like, someone will get back to them in a week, like, I solved the whole problem for you, I did all this stuff, and we need a better way to say, like, I got this. Like, so they always know who's listening in the right spot. Well, there's Teacher's Lounge, which I haven't been in for a while. But like, that's a great example where they kind of have to ping like, what CMs are here? Can yeah. someone help with this? And like, that's the right path but they get help. for something live. Yeah. We should just make that's it right. easier for the mods live. to know how to get us and how quickly they can expect okay. a response. And it should be quick. Relatively what's quick. your, Jay, what's your cell phone number here? Perfect. Perfect. You can just email david at stackoverflow.com. 347-891. Oh, yeah. Use five, that. Five, five, my, five. I don't have that number anymore. That's you, you, you said. <laughs> You're not going to give that Jay's phone number. That's the, the fake number that Jay gave Joel. <laughs> There's uh, that's why you didn't get my emoji text. (laughs) There's another thing I think we run into a little bit, which is we do spend a fair amount of time working on improving mod tools, things like the review queues. Josh Shog and Tim have been working on, as well as Jared and a bunch of other people, a number of enhancements to mod tools for a long time, some of which are now out and some are not. But I think one of the things we don't do enough of almost is whenever we make a change that could affect the mods is we're very good at sort of saying, let's make sure we recognize the mod case is a different case and not try to make all the designs fit everybody. Like we'll say like, let's design it for the users. There's a thing we sometimes do where I think what we need to do is sort of get input from the mods and make sure we've addressed all of their key needs at the time we're shipping everything else. And so like with the profiles, a good example where we were pretty sure there was no regression, nothing got worse for them. And there's at least a couple of cases where I think we had an oversight Mm -hmm. where like everything they need is still there but it takes more clicks. And if you think about how much they do and how often they do it, yeah. that should have been caught up front and we should have fixed that. And so like, we're actually, it's not that simple because when we flip that around, some yeah. odds may say that's worse for me, but we should have asked that question more explicitly instead of assuming we knew what the issues were and that we had them all covered because there were at least a couple we didn't. So anyway, one of the big takeaways I think here is this isn't news to us. I think we've sort of always made the point that we are entirely dependent on our community and sure. the mods at the top of that pyramid. Yeah. I don't say at the top. We believe in inverted pyramids and service leadership. So but maybe I mean, it's like, the bottom of an inverted pyramid. But they give the most. Inverted pyramids aren't very stable for the record. But it's all about knowing that you're dependent on your community is sort of a weird thing. Like I remember speaking to a venture capitalist, a vulture capitalist, who was like, we really wish we could invest in Reddit. Reddit is a great model of the kind of company we want to invest in. We think that's going to be huge. They think that's cute. Da, da, da. We really want to invest in that, but they won't sell us any shares. It was at the time 100% owned by Condé Nast, later Advanced yeah. Publications. It was sold to the parent company or whatever. They just were not allowing outside investors. There's no way to invest in it. And the VC told me, you know what we actually considered, although we didn't do it, we actually considered trying to make a competitive site and then spending money to lure away all the top users from Reddit who do all the great contributions and bring them onto our site. And essentially, like, if we can't invest in that site, let's just get the users from that site to come over by giving them money. Well, that's Which how Reddit is, was born, right? No. They didn't pay anybody to come no, over. No, no, no. People Sorry. tried to what do I this for Stack Overflow. An exodus was essentially yeah. the thing that took Reddit from, like, a little experiment into a powerhouse. No, it was already a powerhouse. You can, if you look at the traffic at Reddit, even when Dig finally went away. Oh, really? It got it a was, little bump. It was but pretty it would, large. It would have gone anyway. It, no, it, anyway. it got a lot bigger right when that happened. But, yeah, yeah it was a sizable community when Dig died. And Is then it, the VC said to me, but then we thought, wait a minute. If these people are so fickle that they will just leave that community and then come recreate it somewhere else, then is that really something you can own? So why would we want to invest in that? Because you can't own it because it's fickle and it will move away on a whim. You can't even own such a community. Right. If they're so fickle that they will just leave in 10 seconds. 
all I have to do to get a happy, stable marriage is lure some woman away from her current husband, and then she'll stay with me forever. But well, that is sort of interesting because... Wait, is that, uh, does, is that, that, does that work? Was that yeah. allowed? No. Hold on, can we... Anyway. Don't tell my wife... Yeah, how will your wife feel about Luckily, that? Luckily, this is a true story. Sorry, side story, because it's worth it. My wife finally, she keeps saying, I mean, I'm listening to a podcast of yours. She listened to one podcast. She's like, hey, I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know it's probably some of it, you know, isn't that engaging for you. She's like, no, it was good. I liked it. I'm not kidding you. The next day, she said, are there any other podcasts you like? And I was like, you know, I remember our conversation from yesterday. She listened to one episode and asked for a podcast recommendation from me. Three different podcasts. I don't get the joke. Go back Jay's to story, podcasting really? ability. It doesn't seem very funny. Throughout the history of these sites, Reddit, Dig, etc., and let's go with Netscape.com, I remind you, you will all forget <laughs> Netscape.com. an episode almost went by where Joel and I didn't talk about old browsers we used to use. No, this isn't the browser. At some point, Netscape was just a wasteland. There was nothing on the website. Nobody went there anymore. It was owned by AOL, which had bought Netscape. Nothing was going on there. AOL had recently bought Weblogs, Inc., which came with Jason Calacanis. And Netscape was Mark Andreessen, right? All right. Before that one was a browser, yeah, but yeah. this is much later. This okay. is in Netscape's dotage. Okay, right. They and had like, you, been bought like 2001. by AOL, and there were still people that went to Netscape.com because it was the set that our homepage and it had been for 27 years, and so they still got some traffic on Netscape.com. Okay, AOL had also, meanwhile, acquired Weblogs Inc. Jason Calacanis was the entrepreneur of Weblogs Inc., and so he found himself working for AOL, and they put him in charge of Netscape, and he said, "I have an idea. Let's make a website that's just a copy of Dig." And people were pretty mad at Jason for this because it's just a copy. It's like, dig, Reddit, whatever. There's 15 people that make that whole website, and they're not even getting paid. I'll give them five cents a link or whatever. I'll pay them a little bit, and I'll bribe them. And so he wrote a big old blog post. I don't know if we can still find this anymore, saying, hey, everybody, if you're a dig editor, stop doing all this work contributing oh, yeah. links to dig. pay the community to participate? I will pay you to come Ooh. to Netscape.com, generate a bunch of links, and make Netscape.com take over from he made something fun and that's a better slave wage job yes anyway it was an utter and complete failure and it was loathed and it was shut down and that was the end of that that was lesson number one and the lesson number two is that dig over the years found three or four opportunities to piss off its users mostly by completely breaking their website it wasn't so much that they right. angered their users there was that thing with the dcss where they like spent an entire day deleting every post that had a certain number a certain hexadecimal number in it <laughs> oh, yeah um, which can only be interesting <laughs> to geeks but but at some point like 93 percent of the dig homepage was just this hexadecimal number that was a great and day on the internet people for on the internet in general when yeah. a number was suddenly illegal to yeah. talk about <laughs> and dig was like we can't do it we got a court order what can we do oh was that to take like this DVD cracking thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. It was the private oh, key. It was just a single this. number. Was and a it was like, day. hey, I can't, I can't. You know, people were like writing it on their boobs and putting it on the dirty <laughs> subsites of, of Remember, of kids, dig. we warned you what the rating was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that did piss people off, but that was not the end of Dig. The end of Dig was they went through a couple of really bad rewrites and they finally thought that they knew better than the community how Dig should work. And it was just like, let's sit around and invent a new way for Dig to work. And then they shipped that and everybody was like, screw you, this doesn't even work, it's not functional, it's slow, it's bad, I don't like it, this is not how I wanted Dig to work. I'm leaving. And at the time, by that point, people saw Dig and Reddit as being well-nigh interchangeable. And so the Dig community essentially said, screw this, go on Reddit. And I think there was a subtext during this whole user revolt over the weekend on Reddit that was like, screw this, let's go to and then they thought, oh, it was wait like a minute. Mawick. There was like some weird, nah, like, but they hadn't. Then they suddenly realized that they had not bothered to make, none of the 9 billion Reddit users had bothered to make a Reddit clone in the entire time that has elapsed, that nobody has bothered to I make I like how you describe it as, as obvious evidence that their users are lazy. <laughs> they are lazy. <laughs> There's not a single, any one of them could have written this in PHP Boaz. in a weekend. User Glathreader, 
points out. Voet.co was the one that I saw kicked around a whole bunch that they were like falling Never over at the peak, though. No, yeah. I think it was interesting because I, I do think it might have gone differently if there were one of these sites that was functional and could stay up under the load. I don't Something might have happened. People might like, have moved. I think that's what happened with Dig is like it was just so easy to move to Reddit. But like it Reddit was just there. And Dig yeah. felt interchangeable. And they were interchangeable. Reddit did all the they things the that they were happy about Dig. They just didn't have all the people. And the, they had, all, some they of had the people. enough people. They had enough, they had enough of the people. people. Yeah. It had enough of the infrastructure and the tools. And then it was yeah. like, well, why are we still going to this Dig site that we don't like anymore? Let's go to Reddit and do the right. same thing. Right. right. And that could have happened, still could happen to Reddit. Could have happened to Reddit here, yeah. I think, if there had and been a exchange. ready replacement standing around just waiting for it. So will it inevitably happen to Stack Overflow? User David Robinson, also employee, points out that Reddit is open source in Python. So while there may not be a clone, it's not that hard to something with it if you wanted to. Okay, so any one of the Reddit users could have loaded it up on a AWS instance over the weekend and, and paid then the like bill hey, for that. But so you, you yeah. just made a See, thing. That's that, what they said. They're like, oh, how are no, we going to build? It's already got to have a little bit Everybody of critical mass, reason. right? It's got to be, you got to go there and not see an empty page. Everyone's got to know about it already. Right. Like that was like, everybody knew about Reddit. It was already there. It had all the same funny Probably pictures. The same People were just I think there's, the time. Yeah. you asked yeah. sort of like, what's different here a little bit you were touching on, Joel. And I, I'll I, give you one example. Okay. We are useful. <laughs> well, so that Reddit I, is really a way to kill time. And as such, competes with every other website that lets you well, kill I time on the agree. internet. I think there's a better reason, a more important reason, but actually one of the two reasons that struck me, although I'd slightly reframe what you just said, it's not that we're more useful. I mean, instead of going to Reddit, you can play 2048. But he, let, me, let me take it different way. Reddit's temporal, which is to say the All trick the with content Reddit, that's on there is useless right. after three and a half minutes. Reddit's problem is what it, happens yeah. if the writers go on strike when you run a newspaper. Yeah. Ours is closer to what happens if the writers go on strike. And bear with me, I'm going to explain why we will never when let our writers an go on encyclopedia. strike. Exactly. Ah. Exactly. So true. It's so true. It's different. But but that's, that's not. So but hang true. on. But hang on. That's the wrong attitude. Because the main point is, don't let your writers hate you so much ever that they might go on strike. Well, yeah. But if they go on strike for three days, Reddit has no permanent content. It just has the habit of going there. No, but I do think like the thing I'd frame up here is when people yeah. started saying, "I hate Reddit." I think Ellen Powell and Alexis Ohanian should be put yeah. on a rocket and blown up in outer space. Yeah. And I don't care what they did or whose fault it is, but yeah. everyone must burn. Yeah. The only burn. thing you heard was, burn them! Yay! Yeah. And I think when people <laughs> jump, no. <laughs> sorry, could we hear more no, from sorry, that podcast? Uh, uh, I've been working on that character that's a sort of whimsical, cartoonish cat. <laughs> That likes to burn things. <laughs> Got it. It's wow. Burning cat. Anyway, I'm still fleshing it out. Burning cat. I like burning cat as a name. <laughs> We're workshopping this, so I'm not really yeah. ready to share. Yeah, maybe it's a ferret. But obviously what I was thinking about is, oh gosh, you really better get hopping on making sure those mod talks are actually leading to things. But the thing that really struck me was when someone comes in and is like, Stack Overflow is the worst. It's terrible. Incredibly consistently, some percent of our community, the people that are actually really driving what the site is mostly about, jump in and they are the ones responding. Like, I think what struck me most on Reddit was it was really everyone against whatever they viewed the, the parent entity. Well, wait. Again, Reddit is a place of flash mobs. Yes. And I mentioned this before, which is that there is a group of people that are currently mad at Reddit because either they're trolling or because they're just misogynist, honestly. And so this is the men's rights freaks that are just have made Alan Powell into a symbol of everything that makes them angry in the world and everything bad that their mother ever did to them when they were seven. Yeah. have actually developed into a bolus. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like a mob, like a, they've essentially... Bolus? Yeah, like the, like when you getting oh, ready to Oh, that skinny tie. Those skinny ties that people in Texas wear. Bolo. When you're getting ready to spit. And there's like a big Can we make Stack of, Overflow of skinny tie? Spit in your mouth. They've developed into ah, one of right. those. It is a and word. And they live bolus, on Reddit right now because that is, it's easy for them to organize there and they're having a lot of fun with this. Or they're at least getting out whatever psychological drama they need to get out. So there is that large 
little tiny minority community of hate that is extremely motivated to type a lot of words into Reddit. And so it looks like Reddit yes. is much unhappier than they really are. Yeah, but be, be careful. A lot of the reaction right now is, I think, moderators with reasonable gripes. No, no, no. Understandable. But yeah, I you're know, right. There's but the, I'm saying that the two collided. Right. There's the where's so my freedom and have, upskirt subreddit, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, which is a totally different trolley. No, but it's also, oh, and I'm very angry at Ellen Powell because she sued KPCB and she could not possibly have had any reason to, to sue them or, yeah. or anything I, like that. Yeah, I, I think but, she, at the end of the day, a person who comes in who's not really a deep part of that community and has to make any changes. That was a problem. She is, was not really like part in a of terrible the position to. Yeah, you can't really. She needed to change things in ways being. that were going to be controversial. And the big challenge was she couldn't say we credibly because she, she was wasn't not part, a part of the community. community. She was a manager partner from outside. Right. There was perception that there were these outside investors. So there right. was Sam Altman and Jason and, Harwood. And she may have made mistakes. She may not all invested. And um, was it Jay Z? Snoop. Snoop. Snoop Dogg. It's Snoop. Okay. They should have sent Snoop to shut down those subreddits. That might have worked, but he was just like a little minority investor. That was not a real thing. That said, the real problem was that you do need leadership, and leadership has to stay engaged with the community. Right. Which Reddit really did not have. For our longest time, the community was just like adrift. And the people working in the company that you know had become further and further apart from the people that actually participated in Reddit. And so then when they attempted to do things, they didn't have like we have at least a connection. Like we can go on meta and start talking to people and eventually they'll come around to our way of thinking about they things. And then when we do, to things, do this. We'll get many of them to go along with it. This is, I mean, I can't speak to what's going on inside Reddit, but you know, we make talking to the community and showing things to the community a part of the development process for things that we know that they will want to weigh in on, you know? So we don't necessarily talk, uh, maybe did we talk about login way at the beginning of the project? Maybe. That one we kind of say, okay, look, we're making this change because we need to make this Would change. Would you like to pull out your username and password 12 times in a day or one time? We want your input. Yeah. But the, you know, talking about the like the new nav stuff, that's a major change that a lot of people could be could get really upset about and feel like, what the heck are you doing? You're breaking my site. Like that's Some sort, of an, sort of analogous to a giant, you know, dig redesign. Eh, not quite the same, but like we are very careful to post it and get discussion about it and let people try it and see what they think and take yeah. feedback and listen to the feedback and make changes. Which is so much so cooler. Okay. So, but no, but that, conclusion. that's all. We got nothing to worry about. That's all hard work. We got a useful website, not a competitor to 2048. Well, let's talk about problems we do have real quick. So the chat room is correctly pointing out sort of, you know, so I guess the question is, it's not like mod tools. I don't think it's specific to mod tools. It's what is your community complaining about and begging you to fix that yeah. we're not listening to? Yeah. Right, that you're not listening yeah. to. And if you let that go too long, then they develop this attitude of, well, they don't care what I think and yeah. they don't want to do things. So, you know, there's a couple of things I think we could talk about there. You know, one of the things we hear from our experienced users is the quality problem. And that's something we've been working really hard on the last year and are continuing to work on. Another thing that we hear a lot, and this one's interesting because it mostly comes from people outside the community, is people talking about how mean Stack Overflow is and unwelcoming to new users. And there was that blog post earlier this week about it. Don't read the blog post, read Build a Lizard's response. That's somebody Wonderful. in the chat room is talking about. So we don't really like that blog post. You know, Build a Lizard gave a great answer to why that. It's not a very good blog post because it talks about a bunch of questions that people complain about being closed that have since been reopened and fixed. And, you know, that they're actually cites a lot of bad examples. I have two categories for like blog criticisms of Stack Overflow, which I don't pay attention to. And category number one is in the early days of Wikipedia, the Chronicle of Higher Education's favorite thing to do is to write a story about some article that they found on Wikipedia that was factually incorrect. And by the time the Chronicle of Higher Education was printed, because it was a print newspaper, everybody went and looked this thing up and somebody had read it on the Chronicle of Higher Education website the day before and already fixed it. And so by the time their quote unquote news about how wrong Wikipedia was actually hit the world, 
the Wikipedia website had already been fixed because that's how community-generated content works. Is like it doesn't matter that it is wrong right now. The question is what happens if you point it out? Does it just get fixed and does it eventually stabilize on something which is pretty close to correct? And so that's the first category of things that people are doing, which is where they're saying, look at this question. Why was this closed? This is obviously bad. And that's not really relevant. The question is like if you brought that up in meta, would we fix it? And then the second category, which, again, I don't like to listen to when there's a blog post ranting about Stack Overflow, is the one which is written by what I am now describing as sort of a non-professional programmer. And my definition of a professional programmer is very simple. It's somebody that knows how to use essentially binary search to dissect their code until their problem is narrowed down to one or two lines that are not doing something that they expected. And they can present their problem in the form of, I did X expected Y, but I got Z. And right. if they can present something in that form, that the people of Stack Overflow will love it. That is what we are all about. That particular type of question, we've already narrowed down to that point. And if you can't narrow it down to that point, essentially what happens is that the Stack Overflow community is allergic to you because you don't look like a professional programmer. And so a lot of the whining is people that are trying to ask questions where they are not doing, it's like you didn't do your homework, it's like you haven't tried to narrow it down, it's asking big, unanswerable questions, but essentially it does not sound like you're an actual programmer trying to get help with an actual problem. I'm just trying to, if I, if I end the sentence, Jay is going to say something, so I got to keep going, I got to keep going, <laughs> and I run out of slots. So, so just to bring it all to the, the problem with these blog posts is that half of them are written by people that are just demanding their right to write questions, which demonstrate that they're not really that good a programmer and they're not quite ready to be asking that particular question on Stack Overflow and they don't even know why yet. And they will, they will one day be smart enough to understand why that question is not going to work on Stack Overflow if they don't. I will explain it to them as many times as they want. Yeah, I got to say, I'm not so sympathetic to the, like I'll summarize what you just said is, you're really too incompetent at this point to ask on Stack Overflow now. No. You're being nicer than that. But no, 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 no. I, I do Listen, think... we love newbie questions. That's the interesting thing is those people are saying, why aren't you allowing newbie questions? And we're like, no, it's not that it's a newbie question. It's that you just asked me to write a book for you. It's that you wouldn't even recognize a good answer if it came and bit you in the ankle. <laughs> so, so I actually, I think in that area we can do better, which is to say that we can do a better job of explaining the why with tools and features and things that help people who We're try. We're always doing better and better and better and better. No, I agree with that too. We're constantly working in that area. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I do but, think like- my I mean, the number just, of newbies that ask legit, ah, nah, nah, excuse me, how do I dot, 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 dot questions that get wonderful, gracious, Agreed. generous responses. Agreed. It's like 7,000 people uh -huh. do that a day. And the number of newbies- that ask a question that doesn't make any sense and is illogical, nobody really knows how to answer it and eventually gets closed, is much smaller. I agree with that. And the number that are even abused for doing that, not that I'm saying it's a good thing that they should be abused for doing that, but the number that in any way is kind of tiny. But I think there's this other problem of this availability bias, which is that you yes. definitely remember the times that you tried to ask a question on Stack Overflow and somebody was mean to you, or that you saw a question on Stack Overflow that you thought was helpful and it was closed. Or any of that. Those things are much more memorable than the 30 times a day that you get okay. an actual answer to your problem from somebody like John Skeet on Stack Overflow. And the people that go off saying, everybody on Stack Overflow is mean, really just need to go to the page of our top users and go click through and read the answers that they're writing, and you will not find one mean thing linked to. If you start from our page of our top users and you click through every single one of them and you go to their little profile and you click through every single answer that they've ever written, you will not see a single word of meanness. So you can sit there and read answers till 2023 before you would find one person that was a little bit snippety in their answer. That wasn't like an order. I don't have to go do that, do I? No, but I mean, you could. I, I, I probably won't. I mean, 2023 I a is a year I like in the future. People. I think you're right. So saying Stack Overflow is mean. Oh my God. Yeah, but 
we need to be careful. Like, there's a point embedded in there that I think is valid, which is there are more things we can do to make the new user experience more comfortable, welcoming, etc. But I completely agree. The, my biggest view of this blog post is the general notion that the users on Stack Overflow are jerks is backwards. They're insanely generous. Right. Most of them are almost never mean. And in particular, I feel like, and part of this is blurring the mod, who's a mod, who's a power user, this notion that, like, oh, and especially they seem to pick the meanest jerks to be mod. Like, yeah. he was actually focusing most of his resentment yeah. at the exact wrong group who does the yeah. most and is kindest and most patient yep. and worse the examples he used were bullshit like it reminded me of michael yeah, moore like movie even if you agree with his point splicing together like different speeches to create lies is a deceptive way to sell yep. an idea even if it's the right idea and i thought the examples as bill the lizard very accurately a longtime moderator and very generous guy dissected yeah they were almost all terrible one thing i want to highlight because it's interesting here worth mentioning is because we want to be open and candid transparent so we were talking about sort of communicating, et cetera. Mad Scientist was saying we're much more transparent, but then I would say sometimes, to be entirely honest, it seems like SE isn't listening or maybe just isn't responding to a lot of stuff people request on Meta. But most of that I can attribute to SE setting priorities, which is certainly understandable. So he's giving us credit for having good reasons. And so I asked the question in chat, does it feel like we're not listening or that we're hopefully listening and that's clear, but not necessarily prioritizing what's asked for? And a couple of responses. So Hi Chris says, it actually is more of the former. So that, that is one thing we can do better at. One challenge we have today, I think, so if I'm hearing this correctly, what I'm hearing is at least there's some perception that sometimes, maybe more often than would be perfect, people ask for things in meta. I'm assuming we mean things that a lot of people seem to want. Mm -hmm. And then there is no, there's some community no debate. official response. And there's no official response. One thing we struggle with a fair bit is it is a little bit challenging. We usually answer when we think something is terrible. We usually answer when we think it's great and we can do it soon. Where we get into some, I think, perhaps poor communication, it feels like to me, is when we think, yeah, this is probably a good idea, but there's it's hard to see where we'd get this prioritized and actually do it relative to all the other things. And so it's like, yeah, we're we not even sure like how it, we but I have no idea when we're going to do it. We don't want to put status deferred on a thing that we're maybe going to do someday. But I'm wondering if that's where we get into this problem where one of the biggest problems is people want to feel listened to. I think it's important that people know you're actually taking in. They're working hard to give us all this feedback. Even if it leads to very little action or very limited action, we should say, okay, yeah, there should be some way to convey this was a really interesting idea. Well, the trouble is, don't take that too far because you could have somebody from the company whose job is to go into all those threads on Meta. Thank you for saying say, words to us. We have yeah. listened to them and wrote them down yeah. in a big book of things we might do. Yeah. And also, it would almost seem like, and oh, and by the way, like that becomes a canonical answer. Like, I will now shut down the debate because somebody from the company. Right has now responded with some generic thing. We're out of time. You've gone and wasted another hour of your life <laughs> listening to Stack Exchange Perfectly Podcast natural, 66. Recorded Tuesday, July 7th, 2015 at Stack Exchange headquarters. This podcast has been brought to you by the Association of Fog Creek Summer Intern Alumni. Many people who go through Fog Creek internships have difficulty adjusting and coping for a while, but with time and good self-care, they usually get better. For Jay Hanlon, David Fullerton, audio editor David Greenlee, ex-post factor producer Alex, and vacationing producer Abby Miller with us in spirit. I'm Joel Spolsky. Goodbye. Bye. Farewell. Bye. interesting we've been historically opposed to that just because secrets the under promise and over deliver thing this is joel's whole story if you tell somebody that in the next version oh we're that's doing... one thing that i was wrong about on my blog ever okay. ever great yeah. there's an article on my blog it's like don't tell anybody the future of i really should take that down because that thing i now completely disagree with it was entirely wrong
Everything else is right, 100%. That thing is 100% wrong, so just ignore it. Burn them! Yay! I like the idea of doing a telethon. Where Ooh. should we tell people to call into to donate money? Ooh. Just say your cell phone number. Yeah. Just... What's Jay's cell phone? Hold on, I may have it. No, Bamboo. it's uh, 867-5309. Get you there. Never gets old.